Okay, are we good? Can we roll? We're already rolling. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, guys. Thanks for tuning into the Bent Methods podcast. We are here with George DeGraff. Uh, what's going on, George? Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I uh, just uh, rolled into Calgary. I had uh, reached out to Jared last week after seeing your uh, post about the concussion and what your plan is coming up here. And we got a little event going on in Calgary. So I figured, you know what? Let's go catch up with the boys. Do a pod. It's been a while. I haven't uh, seen you in probably, yeah, we haven't really hung out in probably five, six years. It's probably been even maybe longer than that. But yeah, so uh, I guess let's try to get to know George a little bit. What's uh, what's going on? You're still trucking? Yep. Um, we mostly haul, um, I haul gravel, aggregate to a lot of the concrete plants in Southern Alberta, basically anywhere from Calgary south. So um that's what i'm doing right now i just recently got engaged in uh december and we're sweet just planning a planning a wedding all the fun stuff yeah (laughs) ready to drop some bank you guys gonna go all out for the wedding you're gonna keep it pretty pretty um well it's gonna be a nice venue it's gonna be small so there's yeah just trying to make the the guest list and who to cut out and who to keep and that's that's tough yeah a little bit stressful for sure it's tougher than you think yeah but uh yeah People always say, yeah, it's the best day of your life or whatever. But I was always like, eh, you know, how how cool can it be? But it was honestly, it was awesome. It was, yeah, it was the best day of our life. And it was just, you felt so much love and it was way, way better than I ever expected. Yeah. So who would you like, who was the big planner? Was, did Dom do? Oh yeah, I didn't do shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I was going to say, I was like, most people say it's so, so stressful, but to this point, like Emma's done everything and she's a, she's an interior designer yeah. and just like venue booked um decorator chef like yeah all that stuff is all booked already and you know my one stipulation was i wanted to have good food and that was it <laughs> yeah that's so. a big thing <laughs> so are you guys getting married um in leftbridge at the galt museum yeah um yeah it'll hold like 110 120 so we got a few few family members coming from europe a couple from cool. england um don't know whether any dutch guys are coming yet or not but (laughs) (laughs) there are there's a queue on the list anyways cool so yeah it's exciting stuff um so let's talk a bit about your your pro racing career what um so for anyone that doesn't know i guess who you are it's been probably how long since you've raced um yeah 2013 was the last like full year that i i was racing we had uh made a plan to go do the canadian nationals and uh got through the first three rounds um was kind of hovering around the top 10 yeah. kind of thing you had a good round in calgary didn't you Bar- you and jared stock battled it out pretty good was he, that that year no that was the year before and oh, okay yeah that was kind of like the stepping stone where i decided i was like okay i've won enough in alberta maybe it's time to branch out i had got a an eighth overall at calgary and 10th in, in edmonton so then yeah. for the next year we we're just like hey let's go spend some time down in california and let's go attack these nationals and so i was able to spend about a month down in california came home and we're lucky enough that raymond it like melts quite a bit quicker than most tracks in alberta so we got like good training in and um i think at the time the allisons were still pretty into the racing yeah and moffenbeyer and everybody kind of came down to the first couple southern alberta races and um I was able to like beat them. So I was like, Hey, this is a good year. We're going to, we're going to go do the nationals. And, um, it just was such an eye opener going out to Nanaimo. And, yeah. You know, you've never rode like 
a bedrock track right it's (laughs) (laughs) you you think you're like oh my setup's good here for raymond this is all i've ever ever rode and you go out there and it's just like felt like shit and i only had brought like one or two sets of like tires for like the whole trip we were gonna go from from nanaimo to kamloops and then make our way back to Calgary kind of thing. So I had one set of tire for each weekend of racing. Yeah, and blew both your sets of yeah. tires out at Nanaimo. Yeah, Nanaimo, they're, they're shot. So then, you know, we're, we're not from anywhere around there. So yeah. it's like, okay, let's go find these, like, dealerships where we can get, like, an extra set of tires or something for yeah. Kamloops. And, yeah, it was, a, like, just... I wish I could have done it a few more times. Yeah, it's exactly right. It takes time to really kind of get your footing, especially if you only commit to the West. Because, yeah, you do the west and then you got to wait a whole year and it's kind of like the nationals are kind of a whole different thing than racing solid Alberta's. so i mean you can race all the solid Alberta's you want but you're never going to really the the best way to excel in the nationals is just to get national experience right yeah yeah i guess the hardest part for me to decide was you know like i could go make thousand bucks on a weekend yeah. at raymond or something and um it just was so tough to find any sort of support to be able to go to the to the nationals exactly. right like you need a big expense to drive all the way down yeah. to ontario and even going across the ferry to nanaimo and stuff is expensive yeah so, so yeah no i i ended up so then in calgary uh was the third round and it was like okay we got through cam loops and and nanaimo and i was i think 11th or 10th in points and um just said okay like let's start to open her up a bit in calgary and and i think regina had just come back on the schedule too so those were two tracks that i had known from years past that we had you know gone on the odd weekend yeah. kind of thing and and then i ended up breaking my wrist there pretty bad at regina or calgary, no, in calgary. Okay. yeah i don't remember that but yeah little hump before the 110 yep. yep oh that's right watch that yep. that's right i forgot about that mr. this was what year 2013 yeah mr jenkins he was actually uh or jenkinson yeah that's his name yeah he was on for one of your guys's podcast yeah. uh he was the first guy to me and i just remember him coming to talk to me and uh, i was just seeing these stars going around my head <laughs> it was the first time i hit the ground hard enough where i was like i seen stars yeah and yeah just looked at my wrist and it was kind of poking out both ways and i was like okay well that's a wrap on uh, 2013. so were you planning on trying to go east coast and yeah yeah i was the goal was if i could be around top 10 that we were going to go it. out east yeah cool. and um mark boot like obviously you know him yeah but they're just a, like older older people successful guys have their own companies and they had committed to to being like paying for my fuel to go all the way across that's awesome yeah so I was excited to do it and just felt like there was more confidence that, you know, you had more people behind you kind of thing. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's time to like layer on the line a little bit. And it backfired a bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part was his first, first lap of time qualifying. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what, what were you riding that year? What bike? Hondas. Yeah. Oh, oh Hondas. So, I forgot all about this. This is. To this day, we, we, we have a conversation and we'll just blame it on the air forks. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's when they went to the single function air fork, right? Yeah. They were terrible. terrible. Yeah. yeah. It, it didn't matter like what we tried, how like PSI, whatever. They were just junk. It's a strange period in time where everyone decided let's go for a single function air fork and it just never worked. Yeah. 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 Well, and then everybody decided to do it, right? Then, yeah, exactly. Then like Cowie and Suzuki started to have it and they had the, like the little chambers yeah. on the bottom and yeah i don't know at that point i was like okay i'm ready to retire (laughs) (laughs) yeah um 
so yeah what was i just gonna say um something else i want oh yeah so when you turn what, what year did you turn pro you're pretty young weren't you yeah um would have been 2016 no, no, twenty. <laughs> you're just talking to me. Two thousand six. Two thousand and seven. I had okay. yeah, I just turned sixteen. Because I remember you went to Regina for like maybe as an intermediate even, and you like qualified fourth or something. Yeah, well, there was actually like there was a little thing behind that. So at the time, there was Dustin Hayes and yeah, like Brady Sharon and all these different guys. Well, like you know, you have ten or twenty intermediates or like first year pros kind of thing. And they're like, I just want to go follow like Teddy Mayer and all yeah. these top guys. Right. While Dustin Hayes and all these guys, they just right away cut the track. And that's when they came into this rule that you couldn't cut the track. Right. So then they, they ended up all having to go to the LCQ. Uh, so then I ended up getting bumped up like four positions. So then I was sitting here, I'm like looking, yeah, that's guys <laughs> monster stickers. <laughs> and I'm just, and, and at that year, actually I had no decals on my bike. They were licking stick. That's numbers. awesome. Yeah. Uh, I've had that one or two times. Maybe once as an intermediate, I qualified. I don't know where it, I can't remember where it was, but I qualified like six, and I just felt like a boss. But then I went out and I shit the bed in the moto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were yeah. Well, you just like for that brief moment, you believe that you're like, okay, I can do this, right? Like yeah. I had that one blistering fast one lap, and then these guys got an extra ten or twelve more horsepower in their two fifty S, yeah. and you don't get a jump, and it's like <laughs> so let's just panic and crash every five turns and that was like my first two nationals i i think my dad just wanted me to walk home <laughs> really yeah not happy no not happy at all <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how many people actually have i guess there's a lot of east coast kids that do really well like gopher but man it took me about five nationals till i actually had one decent one i don't know it's weird like something just i was like struggling getting like 19th 20th and then all of a sudden one and i think it was edmonton 20 2009 or 10 10 2010 all of a sudden i just whipped out a 13th and then the next weekend i whipped out a 12th and the next weekend i whipped out an 11th it was just like i don't know something just clicks at a certain point but yeah everyone goes in and thinks it's going to be a gravy train or not a gravy train but they think they're going to do pretty well even if they qualify well and then just racing is at that level is totally different yeah there's you got to have a little bit more strategy like when you're racing just like the alberta stuff yeah. well you and i know that it's like okay well there's maybe three fast guys so yeah. you're confident and you, you're willing to lay it on the line and then you go to these nationals and like initially you're like okay i've won every race this year i can go to these nationals and i can run with these guys and maybe you're good for five or six minutes like because that's what you're used to in these little, Sprint, little yeah, sprints yeah. little sprints and so for me i was like i could run a good pace but just for five or six minutes and then i'm like thinking about you know just my losing my mind more yeah. or less and i think i had to just a person has to like slow it down yeah and be like you know what if i don't get a whole shot that's fine let's just make it through the first couple laps exactly. and we'll find a rhythm and you know that's when you start having some better results exactly that's one thing i do wish like looking back on when i first turned pro i was so like antsy and i just wanted to top 10 top 10 that's all i thought about yeah if i would have just like slowly eased my way in and just like finished every moto and slowly built every round i would i think it would have done a lot more it would have set me up a lot better but i mean hindsight's 2020 i guess right yeah well and i think yeah it just all comes with maturity like yeah. 
maybe we won't talk about your last year, but the year before you, you obviously became a lot more consistent, exactly. right? And with top, top 10, like every, every weekend, weekend pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. 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 That was like when I, for, when I went into the 450 class, like when I started getting some of those top tens, it felt like I wasn't ever pushing. Like I just was like, okay, like just, just ride. Yeah. I know that, you know, by the end of the race, like my fitness was almost good enough to make it the full moto, but most guys are crunching by the end anyways yeah. that I was like, if I just ride, just keep her on two wheels, I'm probably going to be top 10. And yeah, if you can do that for a year or two and then maybe find that speed, that an aggression, like you have yeah. confidence wise that like your little races yeah. and bring maybe, maybe you do better. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it almost seems to me like sometimes some of my best races, like lap time wise compared to the leaders are the motos that I'm just like flowing and I'm just not really pushing. Cause it's a lot of the times when you're like, you're pushing, you're like, you end up over breaking into corners and you're stopping and starting in your corners. If you just kind of find a flow, even though it might not feel like you're going faster, your lap times will show you're faster just because you're kind of flowing and just kind of the way the track sets up on a national day. It's, it's more like it's, it hurts you to go like hard into a corner, break really hard and then jam on the gas coming out rather than just like coming in roll, maybe rolling into the corner, getting on the gas a little earlier, a little smoother and just carrying your speed. Yeah. It all comes down to momentum at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're going in with that mindset, you're like, I just, I want to hit my marks more yeah. than I want to, you know, blast for a year or like for a lap hard kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dom just distracted. I don't know. I is a year. <laughs> for a year. <laughs> you're ruining the podcast. Yeah. Peripheral vision. I had that a few times racing too. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> jeez. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, there's one more thing I want to talk about before we get into the concussion talk. What was it? I was thinking about it on my bike ride today. So get this, I ride my, I go to, I have a pure later package in Ogden today. So I'm like, oh, I'll get my cardio in and uh, go pick up my package at the same time. So I ride my bike 45 minutes to Ogden, straight headwind the whole time. I get there and I have a little, I brought my little backpack cause I didn't know what I was picking up. It turns out it's this huge box. <laughs> so I ride all the way home with this huge box, <laughs> 45 minutes. Luckily there was a tailwind. It only took me maybe 40 minutes. So fuck. What was in the box? Clutches. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can't like leave, be yeah, left yeah. in suspense. <laughs> this, this long of a box. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's I, lots of times you get a big box and you open it up it's another box no, it was yeah. actually and then it, <laughs> here some some clutches from shout out to recluse and mongoose mongoose machine sent me some clutches for i didn't know what it was i honestly was like what the hell is this yeah you think anybody remembers me <laughs> oh yeah a lot of a lot of our followers know you i just don't know if there's people that are really looking at instagram right now yeah that's true check check we good still good we're good, live good, good, good. live in the possum hole Okay. Where's the background music? Oh, you, right. you gotta add you gotta add it in an iMovie. <laughs> <laughs> Who picked that? Uh we were just me and Keelan the first time we were uh we did our first one, we were just like fuck it just was like one of those uh samples on the iMovie. Yeah. And we just picked it. So um, Okay. Alright. So um how was the transition like leaving leaving racing i know you tried to kind of make a comeback one year 
Um, so how, yeah, how, how did you deal with moving away from racing into kind of your life now? Um, yeah, it was, it was quite difficult actually. Um, <clears throat> I would say the, the dieting end of things was probably the, <laughs> the easiest transition because, you know, for so long, 15 years of our life, it's like you're monitoring everything, training and all that stuff. And yeah, so after racing was done, I just was like, I, I want to kind of go live my life a little bit like all my yeah. buddies are telling me about. Right. So um, just kind of went on a bender for a bit of a year, like never really monitored anything. And um, yeah, I got into trucking and just like I had the goal that I was like, I wanted to buy a house and I was like, just realized that I was like, unless you're going to be a top five guy in Canada, I wasn't going to make a living. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, I need to just go as hard as I possibly can work wise. So I went into the oil field and, um, like had this rig job for a little while where you're doing like 20 days on four days off back on the rigs again. So like I was able to like pay whatever I owed at the Honda dealership at the time <laughs> and, and then just like any sort of debt whatsoever and, and, and then save my money and buy a house and then bought a house and, like I think us motocrossers were so goal driven and we just want to like keep climbing that mountain always. Yeah. Right. And then once you kind of just get to the top, it's like, well, what's next. Right. So after I got a house, I was like, okay, like, you know, maybe it's time to settle down. So then you, you have a girlfriend or whatever. And it was like, you know, the first kind of relationship I had, it didn't pan out, but then it's like, okay, well let's just go back racing. Right. Cause that's where you always get that, that high and adrenaline. Yeah. And, and this was when you came back in like 2017, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just said, you know what? Like I, I bought a, a used bike actually off of Kijiji and I ended up like grenading the transmission twice on it. So then that's why yeah. I, I bought the KTM, but, um, I just, I believed that I could come back and just win again. And that wasn't the case. Like you had just gotten back into racing. I think at that time too, yeah. after your concussion, you had Riley Gallup, Keelan Meston, and it was an I and Matichuk actually like, yeah, he was fast. He came when he had his little brief comeback into motocross. There. Yeah. Number 73. I think he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he never, like, I remember when he was really young, like he was quick on it on eighties or whatever. And Always then he's super talented. Yeah. And then yeah. went off like road racing and never seen him again. Then all of a sudden he shows up. And I think the one national I seen him at was in 2012. He's like black bike and like pretty yeah. sketchy. And well, he was like smoking cigarettes and people, yeah. And that's what he told me. And then he went on drinking that drinking beers yeah. on the line and like, just like, then he like, holy crap. And then all of a sudden this guy turns it around and becomes a three-time gold medalist X Games. Yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. But it was just, yeah. Like I knew that if I was going to make a real comeback in 2016, it was like, well, I can't work 14, 15 hours in yeah. the truck and think that I can compete with these guys on weekends. Like, you know, I kind of was running out of talent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, it, uh. Um, it was the following week after the Raymond race. I was like, Kate, like I either need to get more riding in during the week or, you know, like try to figure out some speed with this KTM kind of thing. And I ended up just crashing hard. Like my uncle Pete actually got a, a better start than me on this Wednesday night moto cut me off and I piled into the ground and I had had a shoulder operation a couple of years, like before I quit racing. Yeah. And it was like the same thing. Like I popped my shoulder out and I was like, okay, you know what? Like I can't afford to, 
take these risks anymore and you know potentially lose my job not have this income to like have a pay, house, right? pay for a house and stuff so yeah i just threw in the towel and said you know i got to do this more for fun yeah yeah it's hard to find that balance after like yeah it's it's scary to think of life after racing but yeah i guess that's kind of what you're saying about you know you're always climbing that ladder you're like as a racer you're always so goal or oriented that you just need that you're searching for that next step and then yeah you bought a house and i guess that's kind of i guess we touched on this in the last podcast that hasn't come out yet but uh you know that's kind of why i quit my job because for so long i like i started out a laborer then i became i wanted to be a welder and i became a welder and then i wanted to be the best welder and then i became the best welder and i wanted to be a fitter then i became the best fitter and then you want to be lead hand then from that point it's like kind of like i don't really know what what like i don't really see what's next so i guess that's kind of why i quit my job and not just to to go racing or to go do this ride but just kind of looking for that next thing and i just i don't know i I feel like i just need to kind of do something else and challenge myself to kind of you know grow as a person so yeah yeah it's i mean i i think it's super awesome that you're going to be able to you know follow your dream kind of thing um i think that a lot of guys can get into some sort of you know depression after racing like I, i i most definitely went through it where you just you're just so lost right like like i i can cork out a 12 15 hour day working that's no problem but it's like what happened to the excitement after work like on your weekends and stuff and um you know everything costs so much money now so it's not like every weekend we can go do something that's adrenaline filled and um i guess yeah the so that the toughest part is been trying to keep yourself motivated and and keep writing down your goals and and what you want to pursue next yeah that's definitely a big thing um yeah so i guess we can probably talk about concussions and stuff now let's talk you wanna so your dad's had kind of a rough road with uh concussions uh or even just one is it just one concussion or um yeah well it was it was yeah multiple concussions yeah um i believe that it first started when he was younger or that's what they they've come to terms with that like when he was younger he he was a boxer oh yeah that's yeah yeah and then i like when i listened to your podcast um where you just kind of talked about it a little bit it made so much sense where you know we're we're such like competitive people that you know when we get down and and we're seeing you know stars and we're riding backwards on a track like why didn't somebody ever teach like our previous generation generations before that okay it's like you need to take this break but no like we need to finish this race like like all these things you feel like they could be somewhat preventable right yeah i think a lot of it is people i I don't know what it is people were in denial or they didn't want to maybe they didn't know maybe i don't know but it's just like even when you go to your family doctor you go to the emergency they they don't take it serious enough uh i think like they'll like they'll they will quickly write you a doctor's note for a sprained finger but they're like they don't do anything about concussions yeah well and i think so so much of like uh society today is like who can 
what can we complain about so we can get a ticket to say i don't have to go to work yeah so these doctors eventually start thinking that like you or i are mental where you know every weekend we're throwing ourselves on the line or in my dad's case you know like it's just like this bullheadedness where it's like okay nothing's wrong nothing's wrong yeah and then when something is finally wrong you go in and these doctors are just like oh this guy's mental right like yeah, it's very frustrating. I had so I I guess you probably listened to the the podcast I did, but yeah, I went into I was in a pretty bad place for over a year and I went and I finally like went into my family doctor and I'm I don't know, I was really optimistic about them sending me to a concussion specialist of some kind or giving me some kind of direction. He literally didn't say anything to me and just said, okay, uh, how do you feel about, um, I'll write you a prescription for Zoloft or whatever it was, some antidepressant. And I'm like, really? Like, that's all you got to say? That's all you, it's all you can offer me at this point? And I, I, I felt defeated at that point. I just, so I, I mean, I took it for a while. I was not for me. I hated it. Um, but then, yeah, it's. I didn't really see a way out at that point. And I wish there was, I wish the, like our healthcare could kind of provide something a little better. Um, yeah. But, uh, so, so, uh, so what has kind of your dad mainly been suffering from? Yeah. Well, I should, I guess I should like talk about like post boxing, like with motocross and, um, yeah. Like, so he, he had all had all that stuff while he was young and then, um, had a couple of concussions with racing yeah. and then you just keep getting back, keep getting back. And he actually had quit, quit racing and w- was full time, like my mechanic and going to the races. And then he would just more ride for fun at home kind yeah. of thing. But after he sold his trucking company and stuff, like we had gone like all in, we were going to go racing. And for me, like, I, I don't know, like it's much different for you. You do a lot of this racing on your own where for me, it was like all about family. Like yeah. I thrived about having my dad there as my main supporter kind of thing. So he was just working part-time um, to basically pay what what I was costing them for motocross. And he ended up slipping on the ice at home and, and, and hit his head on the cement. And then, you know, like just the stupid people we are, we just get up, all right, let's go back to work. And then that same day, um, he's taken a leak off the side of the backhoe and the latching system didn't work on the, the backhoe and the gust of wind caught the door and just smashed, smashed him in the, the back of the head. And then, you know, I don't think he fully realized like what he was feeling, but then he just said, okay, like, you know what? I don't even need to work. Like he had been very successful his whole life with the company and stuff. Like, let's just go racing. So then we're going to racing and we start to notice like just moods and, and, and like he had sensitivity to light and like had ringing of the ear and stuff like that. So like we made it through the, the race season and we said, okay, like we need to go get some MRIs. We need to like figure out what's going on with him. Right. Because there was considerable difference. And I think we all become used to who he is as we, are around him the whole time right yeah. where most people like hadn't seen him in a while is like hey like yeah what's going on with your dad and the it's contrast like, kind of yeah. yeah so then it's like well okay and so then he finally goes and um like at this time like i would say that the last year i went racing and he came along was the worst thing for him really so then at the end of the year he's suffering from like like nauseousness all the time and like things are spinning around and um he actually was like seeing like these green dots in his eyes all the time 
and and then yeah ringing in the ears all this stuff and it's like wow like you know like clearly he needs a break but it didn't matter how long his break was it just wasn't getting better so then um they looked into neurologists and stuff like that and you know the first diagnosis was that he had als like from 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 his concussion so it like sends nerve like impulses to your nervous system yeah. right well where the damage was in his brain like he started to lose like calf muscle and muscle on the bottom of his yeah. feet well that's how like als starts yeah. right so they basically told my dad like you got a couple of years to live and we're like what like he's totally healthy guy we're racing motocross like and now he has als i'm gonna lose my dad how long, what what year was this is 2013 yeah this is 2013 yeah. and so like it's at that point you know like your love for motocross starts to change and yeah. it's like we need to like be very serious about this right so then um yeah you're just really scared like all the time because it's like well you know like is this true like like could could have this you know been something that he had before but no like now it's been 11 10 or 11 years that he's like suffered with this stuff right yeah so um yeah then reached out to some more doctors and it's like oh it's 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 depression and like let's prescribe you with this drug and let's yeah. prescribe you this drug and um talking to you or talking to somebody who has had concussions before knows what you feel right yeah where <clears throat> some of my dad's friends are like you know got, got down to the point to saying it's all mental yeah like you don't i guess you don't know that's what i said in, the, in my little podcast there i said no one really understands how serious it can be until it's too late and i guess you don't know what you don't know and that's that's when I, that's why i want to do this ride I, I want people to know that this is a thing and you're not crazy and you're not a bitch if you're suffering from this stuff so yeah yeah, yeah it's life-changing yeah. for sure like it's it's just and now okay so it's it's been 11 12 years or whatever and so now he, he's uh excuse me <laughs> um he uh he he went to, to the university in Lethbridge and they got like these MRI machines and it's like, okay, I don't care. I'm just going to pay for it. I want to see like what all damage is done kind of thing. <clears throat> so 10, 10, 11 years later, all of a sudden you see all these damages that he has because there's be, being able to look so much more into depth of yeah. like what his injuries were kind of thing. And, you know, like you've, you've told me with your success at Revelation Health Center, yeah. I think that you know, because of all the things that my dad went through Vancouver, Calgary, wherever he had gone to like get help for this concussion stuff. He's like, I'm just going to shut the curtains, just over it, block everybody out and I'll deal with this on my own. And he's not a, like a complainy type. He'll just whatever, like I'll just it. Bull, bulldog it. Yeah. Right. And, but now it's good to see like, just things are starting to come along. And, and I don't know, like, what do you think it was that, that changed this trend like over the last few years where now people are starting to like want to be deeper with research and stuff. Right. Like what was it because of Crosby? Like, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I think it's just, I guess the CTE or the concussion documentary that came out with football that definitely shines some light on it. Uh, I guess people are just more aware of it too. Like uh, I guess with, with all the treatments we have and with places like revelation health center, there is, there is more awareness for it than there was before like there was really when i was first when i first was like going to my family doctor about this in 2015 there was really nothing 
and now there is a handful of places you can go to. It, it is, it, it's not covered by Alberta Healthcare. Uh, it's going to cost you a bunch of money, or my, at least my, some, some of my work benefits cover it. But um, yeah, it's just if more and more of these places are popping up, and there is more awareness for it, and people are more aware of it, I guess. Yeah. So, like, could you go a little bit into like what Revelation does? Like, what kind of like how how did they help you? Like, what what was the program that you okay. went through? Um, so the first thing they do when you kind of go for your for your uh, assessment, they they do a bunch of like tests with your your like your neurological tests. So how much pressure you can apply, like the difference between the pressure you can apply from your left to your right hand, your right to your left foot, and it's actually like they have a machine that you push your, you can put weight on, put weight on the like after you've had concussions the like your coordination and the amount of pressure difference on each, like the strength in each hand, just because your neurons that are firing is vastly, like very different, surprisingly. Uh, so there's, they have this one thing called uh, the Huber Motion Lab, and it's this big machine. It looks like uh, kind of a weird elliptical thing. And you're like, you put pressure on these different things and you put pressure on different things with your foot and this thing's moving. And you have to hold, a certain amount of pressure and there's like a dial on it so you see how much pressure you're putting on it and you have to you can't put too much pressure on it and you can't have not enough pressure on it and while this platform's moving you have to hold these like the, the same amount of pressure and yeah so basically just doing that over a course of six months uh, I got a lot better at it and uh, other thing we did we did this thing called the interactive metronome which is uh, basically you just clap to a beat and it's a, it's the same beat um, and you have to get as close as you can to the beat and when I first started it was the highest they'd ever seen which is like the farthest away from the beat they'd ever seen it was like 120 milliseconds within about six to eight months of doing it I was down to around 12 milliseconds off the beat so I made huge improvements uh, probably the most improvements they'd ever seen um, so yeah they were actually probably I had the most concussions that they'd ever seen coming in there. And I actually was turned away by a couple different clinics before I even went there because they said I was a liability. Um, there's nothing they could really do for me because I had, I was so far gone or not like not so far gone, but I've had so many concussions. And at this point it was like a year after my last concussion. So the, the, the symptoms were so prolonged and it was just so bad at that point. Um, another thing is chiropractic because you don't realize when you hit your head a lot of times you, the, you're like, you get whiplash a lot of times, right. And you're, and you're, um, when you don't, you see how to word this, uh, you're, so if you have a, a misalignment in your neck, uh, your, the neurons aren't firing to all your, to all your limbs and everything else properly. Right. Cause you can't get the neurons through. I don't know. I'm probably fucking this up, but I'm not, I'm, not <laughs> yeah. a, I'm not a doctor, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Probably like the same thing with your, they thought your dad had ALS, right? Yeah. So yeah. Like they just say like your brain is obviously so complex and, um, you know, it runs everything in, in yeah. your body. Right. So basically what you did with this revelation is like, let's just retrain how to yeah. keep like get these things back firing again yes, right exactly that's the main thing and and they and during their initial assessment with like how you put pressure and they could pinpoint which part of your brain was lacking so for me i think it was my uh 
I don't know. I, I can't remember the names of them, but it's the front, uh, left frontal cortex, and uh, I can't remember the names. But basically, they could pinpoint what to do, and they could give you exercises to do it to do at home, so you could stimulate these parts of the brain to help them heal. Uh, so that yeah, they give you various exercises. One of them is like sounds simple but you turn your you do circles with your foot one way and you do opposite circles with your hand the one way so just like little stuff like that that you do every day that really stimulates the the, the proper regions of your brain to rebuild those connections um, so yeah i went there for uh an, another thing another big thing with that was uh diet they really uh stressed kind of a ketogenic diet uh, a lot of people don't really agree with it but it works for me it really helped me a lot just uh cutting out carbs basically and uh not even i don't think it was necessarily the keto diet that helped me it was just cutting out all the sugar and all the stuff that caused that extra inflammation and supplementation with fish oil um you know a few other things turmeric lots of different things like that that really helped me so i think it was just the combination of a lot of things that really helped me get back on track and i guess just having that kind of motivation that you know you know you're working towards something you it kind of gives you that fire again and uh really helps you get back on the right track um yeah would you say that like <clears throat> so after the first time you you went to this place did you like when did when do you start noticing the difference that you're like um, i feel like i'm starting to make progress here uh, or is it just more it was like probably with the first month probably a month before i started really feeling good and within within eight months to a year, I was, I felt like I was back to hundred percent. Yeah. And for many people like they, you saying that you feel good. Yeah. That's like 60% of somebody who's never had like an injury of any sort. Exactly. Like feeling good. Like exactly. you're still suffering like from, from different little things. Yeah. But would you say like now, like where you are in your recovery, like you're 110%. Like... I feel like I feel better than I ever have, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and that's even with a, another concussion I had this summer and yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good again this summer. It wasn't good again. Like I was, I was kind of sleeping a lot, uh, pretty depressed again. Um, but yeah, after I went at least, I kind of know where I can turn to go to. I went, like, I went back there and we got things back on track within about a month to two months. And I was, yeah, I, yeah, they've been really good. And, um, fuck, there was one other thing I wanted to bring up about it. Um, oh yeah. So, so the way they kind of look at it is like, since I had had so many, I've, I'd had probably 15 plus, severe concussions when I first went there. So the way that they describe it is peeling off the layers of an onion. Every time we go for a treatment, we're peeling off a layer of an onion. There's just so many layers. So you just, you have to be consistent with it and you have to go and you have to do your ex exercises. You have to be good with your diet. And it's just a combination of a lot of things that have to, that have to, you have to do, you have to commit to, to be able to get back on track. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I guess that's the part like my dad, I, I need to get him to have that courage to say, Hey, like, you know, Jared's had good luck with this and 
like let's push him to get to this but i i like it's it's so hard getting out of that rut now where Mm -hmm. you know you've been down in the dumps for however many years and you were always the guy that never ever gave up and yeah you know it almost seems like you've you know given up now right yeah and i don't blame the guy like after going you're 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 probably every time you go to a new a new place to try and fix it you get you're really optimistic and you're like yeah this i'm gonna um, hopefully this will get me back on track and then it just lets you down every time it's i i get it i get how hard it can be and uh yeah just i hope i hope he can get like find some peace and find get back to feeling at least okay right yeah yeah um <clears throat> oh this one brain dead on my <laughs> That's okay. um, can edit. oh so so when they well like when you're they release you out of this program kind of thing. Like, do they say, okay, there's still like weak points in your head that yeah, you need there, to watch so, or like, do they ever fully heal like the damaged areas? Uh, I think almost in any person, there's always something you can do. Like even in someone that's only had one or two concussions, there's always, maybe not even any concussions at all. There's always points in your brain that you can stimulate to feel better. I think, uh, I think you, yeah, even if you don't have concussions, you can benefit from doing these exercises and doing this kind of stuff. Um, another thing that actually helped me out quite a bit was, uh, float tanks. I'm going to sound like Joe Rogan here. He talks about float tanks all the time, but, um, yeah. So I actually went, uh, into their float tank. So it's basically just like an Epsom salt bath. It's only about three or three foot deep. You said not even, I think ours is like, uh, eight inches or something. Yeah, maybe, but it's it's so, there's so much salt that you just, you go in there and lay and it's just, you float. So you float in this Epsom salt bath. It's heated to the exact same temperature as your skin, as your skin temperature would be. And they, you're, you, you go in there and lay in there for an hour or an hour and a half. Dead silence, dead, completely dark. And you just go there and float. And it's, it's like just being that isolated just gives you your brain that chance to kind of catch up on things. I go still even if I'm feeling good. Like it's, I think it's a important thing to do because it's just like kind of a meditative state uh yeah that's one thing that i've found helped a lot too in my last concussion as a trucker i think yeah go get a massage and then go to the float tank <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> sounds yeah. pretty appealing yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah no I, i've actually um they opened up like kind of a sport thing in, in leftbridge too and i've heard about this float tank and um what's that uh that freeze freeze thing or whatever oh, uh, cryotherapy yeah 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 where one of my buddies he had gotten in a car accident had broke his neck and he was having some trouble and yeah he would he went there and i guess it's just like to relieve inflammation or yeah that it, sort of thing yeah yeah i've never actually done cryo i do ice baths almost every day though yeah. um but yeah yeah i don't know i just think that man i still see it every day or not i wouldn't say every day i see it multiple times a year where people will hit their head and then the, they'll think they're okay. And I can tell they're not okay. And then they're like, they still are, they're like set on racing or a kid will hit their head. And then they don't like their, their dad wants to maybe push them a little bit to get back out there. And it's just, oh, it makes me cringe. Cause I know, I know the damage it can do uh, being there myself. So, um, but would you say, I know who you are as a person that, when the first concussion you got, was it like hide it from dad? Uh, no, because the first concussion I got, I was knocked out um, pretty badly. Okay. <laughs> so he yeah. was there. He was there. <laughs> the first, okay, I probably had three to four concussions before I was off 65s. 
One of them, uh, I crashed on the inter. I f- the first time I ever jumped the international on my 65, I thought it was. A- I, th- I thought I had to go so fast, so I hit it fourth tapped. I landed at the bottom, snapped my rental handlebars in half. Uh, I don't remember the whole day after that. Uh, <laughs> the next one, it was off the finish line in Calgary. The first time I jumped the finish line. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what happened, but I went straight over the bars off the finish line. Um, knocked myself out really good there. I was throwing up for about a week. Yeah, but you were kind. Of, you were kind of a different animal because I remember on sixties you're racing with a broken wrist. Yeah, I had like, cast on. Yeah, I, I was cast stupid, on. man. I was like so stupid. We got a Cutting younger tra- Travis Pastrana. Hey, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, legit. I looked up the no Travis fear Pastrana. gear and everything. Yeah. Legit though, like I was Travis Pastrana broke his skateboard, so he had a thumb cast on at Anaheim one in like 2005. So I'm like, I broke my skateboard. I had the thumb cast on. I'm like, Oh, I can go race. <laughs> so we went and raced and this, the thing wouldn't heal. I had a cast on for like six months cause the thing wouldn't heal. No wonder I'm riding with it. And then we're like, ah, oh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't put a screw in it because I was too young. So it healed, they he- it healed enough to cut the cast off. So they took the cast off. I broke it again, put the cast back on. And then I cut it on for a long time, cut it off. And then I broke it again. So I'm like, it didn't cause me a lot of pain. But like it caused me pain, but I could I could deal with it. So I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to cut this cast off until they're going to screw it. Well, and I think he was still winning. I was still. Oh, yeah. yeah like I, I remember yeah. that how it's Laro Shell. Yeah. He, his dad, like they were tr- going to try and do whatever to beat Jared on weekends. Yeah. <laughs> it's like broken wrist. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was uh, quite a bit stupid. older, but no, I can, I can recall a few times when I had concussions. It's like my dad looking me in the eyes is like, did you hit your head today? And it's like, nope, because I knew that meant that it was like, okay, maybe I got to take a week off yeah. or whatever. And, um, I can recall one concussion. I had like a bad one. I come home and we had had a dog that was gone for like three years already. And I, I told my parents, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out and see the dog. Right. And yeah. So they're following me and I go behind the shop and I'm puking. Yeah. Right. It was like a good concussion. And it's like, you sure you didn't hit your head today, George? <laughs> nope. Didn't not, hit my head. Not feeling that well. <laughs> yeah. And well, we haven't had the dog for three years and it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Like I just, you're just so uneducated in this stuff where it's mm-hmm. like, you think that that's okay until later in life. And, um, you know, fortunately there's, there's things out there now that, that can help you. Right. Yeah. I can't imagine what it'd been like to be someone suffering from this stuff. I imagine that's what kind of like 20 years ago, that'd be labeled a crazy person. Well, do you remember Joel Gowing? Yeah like just terrible like that kid honestly it scared me like we're at the calgary pro national i think he was in intermediate this is my first year pro and starts having a seizure like and is like was stuttering his words and stuff and i it has forever stayed in my mind that i was like like that kid just came back and came back and came back and steve mcmorin the other guy yeah and like how are they nowadays because like the last i saw joel gowing it was terrible i don't think they're doing well uh, yeah, it can get, it can get bad. Um, yeah, like I don't, there's no way of really testing for CTE or something like that, but you, you, you got to think that some of these guys have something along those lines. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, kind of scary. Yeah, it's, it's really scary. Um, part of me, you know, obviously seeing dad and stuff and like that we couldn't go racing anymore. I'm kind of grateful in a way because you know, we started getting better and better helmets coming out like near right. the end of my career. Yeah. But 
I never ever rode over my head to the point where I was crashing. So I can't say that I had a lot of concussions yeah. while I was riding. But, you know, seeing what, you know, people have dealt with now from concussions or, um, you know, guys getting paralyzed that we used to race with and stuff, it's like, I'm okay with it, right? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm okay to not go racing anymore. You're, you quit while you're ahead, I guess, right? Like, there's a lot of, I mean, that's a, that's the sport, though. It's, it's, it's a tough thing. Like, my parents are really not happy that I'm still racing. Um, but I mean, I feel good. I know, I know I'm myself and I know I have faith that I'm, I can get back to myself if I ever hit my head again. Um, but yeah, I think it's just those repeated blows to the head that really can impact you. And if you don't, you don't let them heal or you don't take the proper steps to get back to normal before going back out. That's yeah. That's one of the main reasons I want to raise awareness for this and, uh, yeah, I guess like, I don't know. Yeah, so <clears throat> like like you you just talked about that you're quitting your job and stuff. So you you've got a plan, obviously, to do some training, getting ready for the nationals. But are you gonna kind of do like a bit of fundraiser work, maybe put on some riding schools? Yeah, in Calgary or Raymond. And- um. So yeah, I've actually been lucky enough. I know the president president of the AMSA. He was my uh, team Alberta. He ran team Alberta last year. So we're gonna do fifty fifties at um all the AMSAs to kind of raise some money. And I think we're going to plan on doing a 10 K at one of the, one of the Southern Alberta's, or maybe it'll be at the Calgary national. I'm not sure, but we're going to do a 10 K to raise some money. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work out, but yeah, we're going to do something beforehand to try and raise some money and get the ball rolling, I guess. Um, yeah. Other than that, I'm still figuring all this stuff out. It's pretty, there's a, there's a lot of shit to figure out. It's yeah. Well, and I think a lot of it, like the, um, you know where they hold the races and stuff they'd probably be open to having yeah like i can like keelan talks a lot about dorva and drum like the drum heller track and i remember my last year racing there they had made me a deal that benefited both the track and and me where they basically put me up for a whole week in drum heller and they did all of it where they just put it on facebook twitter whatever george graf's gonna come do a riding school well between five days of being there um I had, I think, 10 guys per day. It was like 150 bucks yeah, per person. That's... Well, at the end of the week, I walked away with like 3,500 bucks. And I was yeah. like, wow, right? But then at the same time, they're happy because it's like they're, you know, they made 3,500 bucks to go towards, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I would think like if, if a guy did that, went to all these different tracks, put a school on, you know, every other weekend kind of thing. Yeah, like, that's a good idea. That's yeah. a really good idea. Not just for like your fundraiser, but also like to pay for some of your your yeah. road around canada yeah trying to kind of uh fund the whole deal because i yeah i still don't know how i'm gonna do this whole thing but um yeah i just i was riding my tra- on the trainer the other day and i blew my fucking uh crank bearings out and like i just exploded them and i took it to the bike shop and i'm like yeah i don't know if we can fix this so already it's like I kind of maybe under underestimated the equipment I need. I probably need a backup bike or I don't know. I got to figure it all out. We'll see. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be, it'll, it's exciting. It's a good challenge too. Like as racers, we're always like kind of drawn to a challenge and it's, it's, I've always wanted to do something crazy like this. So I don't know. seems like yeah. a good time and seems like a good cause. So. Well, and you're pretty well known at like when you're going across to the Canadian nationals and stuff, I think there's going to be so many people that are on board with it. Like somebody has been affected in their surroundings, yeah. right? Like, you know, it's, uh, 
what's the word I'm working looking for? Like, it's just crazy what you're doing because you don't hear it too often, right? Where yeah. somebody's like, let's go racing. And then I want to do a fundraiser and, you know, do something that I'm passionate about. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, whatever I can do to help, I'll, I'll be here for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. I've actually had quite a few people reach out people that you wouldn't expect. Like I've like, even I wasn't really expecting you to reach out to me a couple of years ago and you were asking me about your dad and, you know, kind of what I did to get back on track. Uh, yeah, it, it, it affects a lot of people. We kind of take it for granted how many people it does affect, especially in our sport. Cause I mean, this is a sport where you're supposed to be tough and a gnarly guy. Right. Uh, and then you hit your head and then you think, yeah, you got to be that gnarly guy that gets back out there. Like I've, I've been that guy myself and I think we all have it to a certain extent. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's life changing. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you like, <clears throat> what do you have all planned out? Like as of right now, details, like how can people like, or have you figured out like whether somebody just wants to do like an e-transfer? Or, no, like, no, we'll have it all set up legit so that, uh, people know exactly where it's going. So I've, I was had a phone call with, uh, a concussion, uh, charity foundation yesterday. And we talked for a while about, know how we're going to set it up and it'll be set up so it'll be t directly towards a cause so it'll either be towards uh concussion research or it'll be towards concussion uh therapy or concut youth concussions and youth or something like that it'll be i haven't decided we haven't totally worked all the details yet so and then it'll go towards so there'll be one foundation that goes towards uh concussions and one that goes towards mental health because you know that does they go hand in hand so uh yeah i haven't figured that out exactly but the, I'll have a link set up so that you can do, donate directly to uh, the foundation so you know that I'm not trying to steal a piece of it or whatever. But um, Yeah, but a little bit of both, right? Like, I mean, yeah, you're obviously going to need help with some hotels. and Yeah, I'm, I mean, anyone that wants to help out, I'm, yeah, I mean, basically just funding it myself right now. Um, I've, ha I've had uh, a few, yeah, like the guys at the AMSA are, I think they want to do this to try and help support me like the 50 50 stuff to try and help support support the journey so that's going to be that's sweet that those guys want to do that to try and help me out and i don't know maybe i'll take a slice of that and help pay towards some hotels and then i can put the rest in towards the the fund their foundation so i don't know we'll see there's a lot to work out so yeah hopefully yeah i'll figure it all out at some point i guess right yeah you got anybody saying that like hey i want to like follow you for like through a couple cities or something bicycle wise like hop on beside you let's go i hope so i hope i get some more people there's been a few people uh we've been talking with we uh, i've been talking with so, like my friends they want to maybe meet in a medicine hat and do the last leg of like 150 or whatever k so that'll be cool i would like to actually get it'd be sweet to try and get like a whole a whole bunch of people to try and meet me in like strathmore and do the last like 50k or whatever it is get like a huge group of people and do the last 50 K together. That'd be kind of pretty cool. Um, yeah, but I hope people do join me and can, even if it's just for like, you know, if, if they live in, like, I'm going to be going through Manitoba, Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Right. So hopefully people that even live by can come and join me for a while. That'd be cool. And yeah, I've, I've had, I have had a couple of people reach out and they want to help me with driving and stuff. So I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of details to work out, but, I, I'm I, I'm sure it'll work out. So yeah, well, there's obviously a lot of guys that you're gonna have like around Calgary that probably want to help you do it. Yeah. Um, 
like I said earlier in the podcast, I, I mostly truck like Calgary South, right? Yeah. So I'm ready, like planning my attack. Like let's like grab like a couple of big things of water and just like out the window, give you guys a couple showers. Yeah, on the that's way, a good kind idea. Thing, that's hey. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put my set up my dash cam too. Yeah. There you go. Oh shit. All right. Yeah. Um, got anything else to add, Chris? Any questions? Well, I was uh, want to go take it back a little bit here to like um, uh, back to some of the concussion stuff and racing. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up racing dirt bikes with you guys and stuff and played other sports like hockey and skiing and whatnot. And obviously in racing, we hit our heads hard because we're going fast and we stop fast and there's no sliding in the dirt yeah, and basically. a lot of it is like you're hitting your head you're tumbling you're hitting tumbling, your head again exactly tumbling. yeah so you know you talked about the repetitive blows your dad boxing and stuff like that i know i've seen in other sports like hockey where kid hits his head and they pull him off the ice and he's crying on the bench because he wants to go back out there but you know because they have a medic on on the bench they're not letting them go back out there yeah do you think you guys would have experienced all this concussion stuff if we had better medical teams at the track to make make you not go yeah i mean i know you say you hit it from your family type of a deal but yeah yeah i i i just think that there were like there was so little knowledge about it obviously right that it's like when it's just your dad asking you and nobody else around is saying like hey how like what's the severity of this like all us fail just hide it right yeah yeah i agree and i think definitely i wouldn't have if because there were some times i hit my head so hard i didn't know where i was parked i didn't know where i couldn't find my way back to my trailer and you and were, guess what i wouldn't race the next day i was gonna say and i was like 12 yeah, years old you're lining up for moto too yeah like, it's stupid like uh, honestly if there's one thing i could if one thing i could do is like if i could somehow get involved with the triple crown and like they do enforced concussion tests in the states i think we should be too Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of guys that i mean you i mean colton talked about it in the podcast we did he said he knocked he knocked himself out silly in calgary and he went and raced the next weekend yeah yeah and then yeah then he got hurt yeah and is that because he wasn't 100 percent aware of what he was doing on the bike it could be yeah and for him too like it's like that competitive side right it's like well I I'm like I've got all these obligations sponsor wise. Yeah, whatever. and there's not like, a whole lot of money floating around Canadian Moto, so you got to get out there as much as you can. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a. I remember seeing that crash. That too, was a that bad he had in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. So smooth, but sometimes when he hit the deck, <laughs> yeah. holy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good question though. I I do think that no, I wouldn't have gone through what I have, but I mean, hopefully, I can pay it forward and shine some light on it so people don't do that i mean i hate to see when kids hit their head they're not feeling good and then dad's like hey get back out there i mean like this fucking makes me sick like makes me cringe because i've been the guy that's been like like my dad never forced me to go back out there but i was always the guy that was like yeah i'm going back out there i didn't care right yeah yeah so you're thinking maybe like um when they have riders meeting in the morning or something um just to like speak a little bit about it on on weekends kind of thing right because you know there's even lots of parents i bet that are much older than us that have no education on no idea out there and it's well, like maybe started having kids later and now their kids are racing and it like it is just like that that trend where it's like let's go racing let's go racing i'm putting all this money into yeah. it like it's just stupid right yeah we didn't drive all the way out here to walton to 
for you to hit your head in the first moto and then yeah. not go out and finish the weekend, right? That is a tough pill to swallow. Uh, it's but tough. I mean, it's, it's a tough it's, pill to swallow 20 years down the line but when honestly, you're into issues and doctors think you're going to die in a yeah. year because, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you look at the big picture, when you're on 80s, that doesn't mean shit. Who cares if you fucking take a week and a half off? You're on 80s. You're not making millions of dollars. Like, what are you really going to lose? Yeah, like, I, I, like, that's, it's funny you say that. It's like, my dad's like, well, you know, like, I remember one time riding with a broken collarbone and a broken hand. And my dad's like, well, like, just, we got to salvage points this weekend. And it's like, what, for a 125 <laughs> yeah. junior championship? Like, where's that plaque now? Uh, like, no I, idea. I, when I sold my house, it's like, I, I've got like 10 boxes of these trophies that I've not looked at for, you know, well, like, cause whatever, I went pro at 16 and all those years that I was pro, like I never took them out of the boxes yeah. and I really don't care. Like, and I don't think about it at all. Lots of people say, oh, you had such a successful like time, like as a pro in Alberta too. And it's like, you know, like, yeah, it's lots of memories, but those plaques, they don't mean shit. No, exactly. Like really at the end of the day, it's not worth it. You're risking your health for, for what really? Yeah, for at really that time, what? It's like, we're going to be the next factory rider. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. be, you know, GDR's next guy. Yeah, well, let, like you probably would honestly be better off if you just took the time off and you got back to yourself before you just went out there and smacked your head again or whatever you're going to do. Right. Like I, even just me racing with casts on, I can't believe it. We were cutting casts off to go race super Saturdays. Like what were we thinking? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the end of the race season. And <laughs> no, I still got to be out there. Yeah. Uh, I was just that guy though, I guess. Yeah. I think like you said though, like that's such a good point. If a person can, you know, just get people a little bit more educated. Like there's and motocross is so expensive and, and you still see it all the time where like these dads are like, okay, like let's buy this kid a helmet. That's two times too big. Yeah. He's going to grow into it. Like, yeah, it's a $400 helmet and the kid boinks his head like, you know, on a 50, but he's still hitting his head. And you know, by the, like, that's how all this stuff starts. It's like, well, yeah. you know, like you're already spending four grand on a little 50. Yeah. Like buy your kid well, the right size helmet. Well, right? look at these dads, 80 K truck, hundred plus K trailer, 10 yeah. K bike. How many of them does he have wheels to go with it? What's $400 helmet. Yeah. yeah. Go spend exactly. thousands of dollars on helmets. Like that's yeah. the important stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd much rather see a bike that has no decals on it. It is maybe Sock two bike. years old, but that kid has, you know, like I still am a believer in the neck brace um, and, and a good helmet. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like boots. Do you go out there in rubber boots? No. <laughs> oh. Well, I could dig up <laughs> pictures from when I was on 50s. <laughs> We were actually, we were looking at some stuff for, for wedding pictures. And, um, so my first ever race was on a PW 50 at the left Pedrina cross. Yeah. And I was in coveralls. Oh yeah. I can imagine. Work, I can work picture it. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't your dad used to wear like, or was that just when he was mechanicing for you used to wear coveralls all the time? All yeah. The time. And his headset, he was, yeah, he was just all about the racing. Yeah. He's so serious. Uh, yeah. So, so how's your dad doing now? Like what is he kind of, it just. Yeah. Like I think it's gotten progressively worse for him. Like it's like, as he gets older, it's gotten worse. So, you know, I got to give it to my mom for obviously like supporting him through all this. Like it, it's not easy to be around, but like at their house, it's like the blinds are close because the bright light bothers him so much. And then he deals with like this, this ringing in his ear all the time and, and, you know, like tone of voice and stuff really bothers him. And if he goes like driving a vehicle, like if you hit one pothole or something, like it makes him sick. So yeah. like he's literally like 
just so weak like like mentally he's still tough because he's being able to deal with all this stuff yeah. and he's like i will never give up yeah like on 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 living as long as i can yeah. like i'm still but like what he has to deal on a day-to-day basis and you know the ups and downs of like when i do feel good or you know that sort of stuff it it's just it's shitty yeah um what was one other thing I wanted to bring it's, up? It's interesting to hear you talk about your dad going for a drive and even a, a bump affects him, right? Because I have a, a friend who I knew through work and, uh, you know, I this was years ago now and he hit his head uh, riding his bicycle and I, you know, before we're educated about this stuff and I thought, oh, you know, big whoop, you know, and for months he wasn't going to work and he wasn't himself and yada, yada. And I think, oh, you know, you start doing the same thing your dad's friends were doing. Well, now it's inside your head. We're, we're this far down the road and you're still having these symptoms. Like, is it in your head? Yeah. But then you hear of these other stories and these people with these same symptoms. And it's like, well, whether it's one serious hit or multiple ones, you can have the same, same symptoms. Yeah. And you, and you, like you, you said you like, the type of people that have had it honestly have to be so mentally tough. Like, like you said, you have a doctor, like there's psychiatrists coming over to evaluate like you, like, you know, my dad's own brother is telling him, George, it's all in your head. Yeah. Like try to, try to get that feeling from, from your own family member, your own best friends that it's all mental. Like for me, like, that guy, he would just let a flicker, flick of the finger, say, let, yeah, let's go racing again and, and would kill himself trying to like, let me go race. But for me, it wasn't fun anymore to see him in that state. Right. And now like to see these people treat him like he's some sort of loony. Yeah. That like, sucks. All, the only thing I want to do is just freaking pump their eyes shut. I yeah. can't imagine. Like I had a really hard time with my recovery, but I had, I mean, my wife and my or my girlfriend at the time, my my family pushing for me to, to try. They understood it and they wanted they could see how much pain I was in and they they pushed for me to go get help. And that's actually how I found Revelation. One of my dad's friends uh, was suffering from Lyme's disease and he, they do. They treat Lyme's disease at this clinic, too. And um, yeah, so that's how I found that place, because my parents were, you know, and my wife were pushing toward they they wanted me to go get it and they wanted me to go get better and get help and they saw that so i can't imagine how that would feel to be you know to have your friends telling you it's all in your head or it's man that's got to be mentally crippling right yeah yeah and they'll and unless you go through it you just won't know like yeah yeah. you can't know until you know that's why like do you recall like some of your symptoms being like like sensitivity to light or or like loud noises yeah loud noises were bad uh since that wasn't the worst part i just honestly i was so depressed i was just not in a good place mentally and i would i'd get up go to work come home from work go straight to bed yeah sleep it actually went from i used to be able to not be able to sleep i went from not sleeping at all to sleeping way too much like i would just sleep way too much so i mean it's it's kind of crazy how different every concussion can be too uh yeah and and you'd like sometimes there's like different outlets like i i listened to the the pulp mx show right and there was a um a rider profile of like scott Sheik, like who used to be really top pro back in the day kind of thing yeah. and he was dealing with some concussion stuff and you know, ended up just resorting to drinking all the time. Right. And yeah. that, that's what made him feel, feel better. Well, the guy ended up in jail 
because he had like all these DUIs and stuff like that down in the States. And yeah. he just like kind of went into depth, like, you know, back in his day too, they never told him about like, you know, what, what was the severity of like hitting your head? It's like, well, let's just keep racing. And, yeah. and now you deal with this stuff. And he says like on an everyday basis, he has to like basically, you know, see a counselor a little bit right and then it, like obviously has has found some like outlets yeah. for concussion stuff but like being able to talk to somebody because he had nobody that understood him yeah i, I think a lot of it is too denialism like i was totally in denial like i'm i'm okay I, I, i'm okay like i couldn't like and then i couldn't another thing that made it worse for me was i couldn't ride i, I would go riding and i just was like in this fog the whole time and i just couldn't ride like i was felt like i was just gonna crash every time because i just couldn't focus on it so all i did i like exercise ever especially since my concussions i have to exercise every day like i have to get some kind of exercise so i would just ride my mountain bike every day that's all i would that's all i would do i'd ride my mountain bike or my road bike that's what i did to keep sane um so i, I mean i think it's important to find that one thing that can kind of keep you sane like i think exercise is important for anyone's mental health too like anyone if you're not exercising is gonna you know be more prone to depression i think or anxiety um <laughs> no i dream about it <laughs> all, all i do nowadays is just yeah, shit well, you're, yeah. yeah but no i like on days like obviously because we're getting married this year it's like i started going to the gym again right yeah and now it's like like I always have been the type that I need like that drive. Yeah. I need that drive. Why I need to go to the gym. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. So now it's like, we're going back to the gym and I'm like, just hoofing it. Right. Like just going on the treadmill, <laughs> yeah. just the tits are jiggling. Like yeah. that's, but I'm like noticing like energy level wise and like how much more clarity in your mind yeah. you got sleeping better like, too, oh, sleeping better. And, um, just attitude throughout the day gets better. Yeah. Yeah. I find. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like my dad. <laughs> he can't do much, right? But yeah. like that ten-minute walk that he can go, um, walk outside, kind of thing. Get the like the body moving just a little yeah. bit is huge. Um, yeah, I just I'm gonna have to push him on this revelation thing, and and I've been trying to push him for for some time, and I think it's gonna get down to the point where it's like, okay, I'm just gonna go there. I'm gonna see if there's any sort of stuff that you know, like I have sensitivity to light or certain noises, kind of thing. How did how it helped me, and then you know, just try to get him to gain that courage. Yeah, gain and they that actually trust, right? they have worked with people long distance too. I think when I when we first started going there, was there not they were working with someone from like east coast were they not you remember that uh yeah but they yeah they were doing like long distance stuff and making you know treating people across the country so yeah i, I believe they can they i'm i mean i have faith they can help your dad but i'm i guess you don't know until he goes or if he, yeah if he can get him well he go. just is so because he's well he's dutch for one right so he's stubborn to begin <laughs> with, but he's just like i'm too old like he's like i'm the, the damage is done there now he's like yeah when i was your guys' age he's not heal from ever, anything yeah. right and yeah so yeah. yeah any questions just one what the one that you've posted no, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> there's only one question shellboy mx what's your favorite track in alberta you want to ask it george what's your favorite track in alberta from shellboy mx yeah well if anybody knew me i was pretty raymond. good at raymond right but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um yeah well, race wise, yeah, of course, Raymond was a, was an awesome track, but there's actually this hidden little gem that I used to ride at in Fort McLeod. This guy, he was a dentist and like just 
built the most like you remember chick yep yeah well he came out and built this guy this oh track, really right yeah and he's got like this little dozer that's at his house and a little skid steer and that track was just perfect like and it was all in the in the trees along the river that was honestly my favorite track yeah yeah and trevor turner like you know the turners right Shelby yeah i've never been there but i know they have a pretty cool place yeah they used to hold races there too like yeah that was a good track sweet how about you my favorite track in Alberta. Honestly, you remember going to like Swan Hills, Slave Lake? You ever go up there? Oh, I guess we're not yeah. talking just Southern Alberta. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> those, some of those Northern, like Swan Hills was badass on yeah, an 80. It was pretty sweet. Slave Lake. That Slave, start, I like, like Slave 40 Lake guys going. I, re- I never rode there on a big bike, but yeah, I love that place on 80s. Uh, yeah. I even liked Fort Mac, even though it was dry and dusty. Hard but, pack, yeah, man. it was fun. Grand Prairie, actually. Not Lloyd Minister. Lloyd Minister. There's Lloyd a lot of good track upstairs, uh, up north. Upstairs, yeah. Uh, Lloyd Minister when they had the Widowmaker, yeah, yeah. I remember hitting that first <laughs> first time. It's just boner. So no, I overshot it by like thirty feet first time I hit it. Yeah, and then they they actually took took it out or made us all roll it or. Something. Oh yeah, they yellow flagged the whole thing. Yeah. It was stupid. Well, there was the one year they put the piece of tape up. The yeah, middle. I remember that year. It's like roll it, jump it on the one side or the other. Yeah. And then after that, they just made it either impossible to do or they rolled it out so much you had to. I think they just it. had the yellow flag going one year yeah. too. Well, there was like two or three years I went there. It was a mud race, so you yeah. couldn't do it anyway. Yeah. Um, Who yeah. would you say like over the years was like your hardest competitor or like the guy that you hated most? Like as an amateur? Like just as, yeah, as your career, like, like so far to this day, like to this the day, guy that that's most dominant in your mind to be like, Hey, like that guy drove me nuts. Um, let's see. Drove me nuts. Hard to say. I know, like, I have a lot of good battles with, like, Hayden Halstead and Casey Keese, but I don't, like, hate. I look forward to those battles. Those battles are fun. And I know, because I like it because I'm always, like, a strong to the finish kind of guy. I like it because we, like, we can battle out, and then I feel like I can get the edge on him at the end. Um, but as an amateur. Uh, Did you just like, like, Hayden Halstead just chasing the pro down or what? uh yeah yeah i guess so i don't know he's better he's definitely better than me in the sand though he'll whip my ass in the sand i've sure. never met the guy but I, it's he's just a cool like, guy he's yeah a nice guy. any mxp magazine you open up is just like this the hair, fur, yeah, yeah. like yeah. frick that'd be hot like uh, down east humidity yeah, yeah. God, i gotta think can you think of anyone i battled with man it's hard to think of anybody you battled with as a kid because on like 65s you're a little bit younger than the todd Sewell, yeah so Dean Wilson, Luke, once they Kurt, moved out i kind of george took Drew. over Stefan Larochelle a little bit. I didn't yeah, really I think I was, you're a little ahead of him. Yeah. Even. Um I I actually got a funny oh, story. Ben Pookie. No. <laughs> <laughs> What's your funny story? Um so the very like the first year that I decided I was like I'm going to go racing. I was like 2004 and I was on 80s and um Dean Wilson was still here, Luke Firth, yeah. Todd Sewell. They all lapped me. Like there was, there was most, most races that year that they lapped me. And then, um, at the time I was trying to juggling, I was like, do I become like a swimmer, like wear speedos every (laughs) weekend or become a motocrosser? And I like, I was really good swimmer, really bad at motocross. (laughs) So my dad, at the end of the year, he decides, he's like, you know what? Like you need to decide what you want to do. Right. And I was like, well, I want to race motocross. Like I'm done with the speedos. Right. But just (laughs) thinking back, like Todd Sewell, Dean Wilson, they all like, lap me right yeah but they were all so short and i've always been like pretty tall that you go to the odd like mud race or something and they're you like paddle your way through. yeah i i remember one time dino <laughs> we were at raymond and he like he was on an 80 but he was like 
he was way too short for it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you had to have like two or four, like two by fours, like yeah. beside his bike yeah. kind of thing. And he fell over. He's just screaming, crying, right? <laughs> was he on a Honda at the time? No, he was on a he was on Yamaha? He, he was on Cowie. Oh, Cowie. Yeah, he was like young, young. This is probably even like you were on 50s. Oh, that, at that, oh, at that point. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, he was doing like heel clickers off the finish line yeah. and stuff in Calgary. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. He was, yeah. You think about guys that like, like, just shine so much brighter than everybody as like an amateur. Like Dean was just so much faster than everybody. Then. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's crazy to think that like Todd became like an, an arch rival, right? Like we raced all the time. Yeah. In the pro class. Selton, Alberta's. Yeah. And those were, like, when those I, were the battle days of every weekend, George and Todd just following each other around the track yeah, for yeah. 25 minutes. And I think I just beat him because I was in better shape. Like I think Todd had, a ton of raw talent, cool. like in style wise and stuff. Yeah, like he does, he was not afraid to ever just crank it. And he's, he's actually really creative. Like I remember with lines, his lines, like, like racecraft. Yeah. I remember once at drum Heller, I'm like, I'm following this guy. I'm like, it's like, like he's gaining on me somewhere. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's all hard packed. And like, it doesn't look like he's, doesn't yeah, look like, like he's like going he crazy on fast. Me. Well, he had found this line that like from this table and you would shoot across the grass and then like, you'd cut off like, like i don't know 60 or 80 feet of track <laughs> and i'm like finally i'm like see see what he was doing and i'm like riding over my head i'm like this kid cannot yeah. beat me right and yeah i'm like so i just remember a few times i'd be like shit that kid is just creative right yeah and, yeah so who's your worst who's your arch nemesis luke firth your worst yeah like i think yeah like him and i all like we had some gnarly battles and we took each other out lots <laughs> and the allison brothers too oh, yeah like parker never was really bad but jared for some reason they they were always would talk about this contingency they were getting with yamaha yeah. it drove me crazy i was like i'll do whatever it takes to beat them <laughs> <laughs> and we would take each other out a lot too but i look back now i'm like why i lost like some of the joy in in riding like southern alberta stuff was because then like Luke kind of faded out of it. And then the Allison brothers were like full-time like Canada stuff. So you didn't see him anymore for, so for me it was like, well, yeah, okay. It's super fun to go make 1500, three grand a by weekend. yourself, but it's like, it wasn't fun because, okay. Like the odd weekend Ryland would feel super excited to go racing and he'd give you a run for like one Couple moto. Laps, and then yeah. it's like, well, you know, he's out of it. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Look for yeah, and and the Allison brothers, they yeah. were definitely yeah. What do you miss most about racing? Um, just I think the atmosphere, like everybody that's there, um, just it was like a family atmosphere, right? And it seemed like everybody just loved this sport, yeah. and and they just would want to come talk to you, right? Like, how's it going? Like, hey, can you help my kid out? And like, I think I help like. I, what I miss most is like helping the, the younger kids yeah. out and just wanting to like work with them one-on-one. Um, I wouldn't say, yeah, that I, I probably found more enjoyment helping people out more than racing. Okay. That's cool. That's a different, different perspective, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, it is a small community, yeah. so to speak. So yeah, when you can make an impact on it, that's yeah. yeah that's like, cool. and, and just to like see that stuff, that smile from from a kid that's like hey bud you're doing really good yeah like, that's I, an awesome I, yeah like and and i remember that person when i was younger where you'd look up to like you know 
Uncle Pete at the time was really, really fast. He's always been fast, right? And he's like, well, if you're riding really good today, George, and and if you could be that kind of role model to yeah. some of these little kids, like, I mean, it's just, yeah, like for me, it was more of an impact that way than making any sort of yeah. money on the weekend. Yeah, for sure. Um, Pete's still riding. Yeah, moto and down. I'm pretty sure I raced a, one in Raymond or something the bird in Raymond in the f- last spring and he was moto and down. Yeah, 65. Still 66. throwing it sideways yeah. over the triple. Yeah. Yeah, and he goes into his boot camps before Vet Nationals oh, in yeah. California. He's like, not nah, no beer drinking for like a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> but he hates to lose. Like oh, he yeah. just hates it. Like when he got beat actually this year if they're going to listen to this, they're going to hate me for bringing it up, but he, he didn't want to talk about it, but um, he had won eight like world vet championships in a row. And then he got beat by this guy this year. And he's just like, he's all motivated for next year. Oh, again, fired up, yeah. fired him right up. <laughs> got to get the suspension dialed in. Got to get going for yeah. 2020. When is it? Vet nationals is what? December, November? Yeah. October or November. I oh, think. Okay. Yeah. Well, November. your dad used to do it, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. He used to go all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I went one time and I think the funnest part was just taking along with all these older guys. Cause like, you never have to buy dinner. <laughs> like, Hey yeah. George, can we get you a hotel tonight? So, yeah. You bet. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh, Good times. Yeah. Lots of those old buggers still going. Oh yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah. He still sends it. How about Julian Cerny? Is he still right? Still motos. Yeah. <laughs> that dude was always gnarly I, like oh, i would sit with him on the starting line and like sometimes he's wearing like red pants and like green green jersey or whatever and he'd tell me be like yeah okay work a full day and then i go to the track i'll fill up my 450 full of gas and then i'll fill up my 250 full of gas i'll run them both empty yeah, and i'll go home and i'm yeah. like well well i'm not i'm not doing near and, enough and you hear guys say oh i run a tank through the bike every time i go but he literally pushes the bike back every <laughs> yeah, single that moto. That shit is so sketchy. I can't believe he does that. Oh, I man. guess that's why he was like still would get top tens in the nationals till he was like forty some years <laughs> yeah, old. Yeah, well, I think it was last year. The guy shows, <laughs> the guy comes peeling into the parking lot, unloads his bike really quick. He's like, "Yeah, I just dropped my kids off at my wife and kids off at Superstore. I just came to do a quick moto." <laughs> <laughs> yeah he he was actually like an awesome guy to race to because he's a bigger guy and he wouldn't be afraid to like rub you but he wouldn't absolutely clean you out so like him and i remember one time we were racing in calgary and i like my uncle told me he's like if these guys are still beating you you've got no place in the nationals right (laughs) like you need to beat julian cerny anytime you ride you need to like beat pete every time you ride kind of thing yeah but i just remember yeah one battle that him and i had just like lap after lap we're just banging each other and then after the race he comes over he like gives a high five that was awesome <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah yeah he's just one of those guys that's so like smiley oh yeah is yeah he's a good guy at the track he but i don't a- think you'd ever want to get on his bad side though either like do you oh. ever remember the time when like him and drew clegg like just hated each other oh. drew clegg is a guy that would get under your skin though i think i feel like yeah well, when you're winning, like, every weekend in Southern Alberta, taking all the winners yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get under anybody's skin. Yeah. Yeah. He was jacked. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. I don't know what he's doing these days. Yeah. I. Yeah. He had so much, like, talent, too. Like, he was, like, yeah. top 10 in Canada and then gone. Yeah. Like, remember Kyle McGlynn, too? Yeah. Dude, like, that guy was so gnarly. fast. And then just, boom, gone. Like, when he won a national, I believe. Kyle, Kyle did, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Morden in Morden. the mud. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah, he was crazy. Like he I remember him starting with the intermediates at Alex and passing the Allisons, passing the pros. Wow. Because they would do split gate with pros and intermediates yeah. and he would catch up and pass the pros. Allison's not happy. Yeah. Well, and he was always quick, McGlynn, too, because I remember um, when we were younger, like, he was one of the few kids, like, on 80s, like, the odd time he could beat Dean. Yeah. Actually, you know what? One of my fierce competitors on a 65 was Kyle McGlynn. Zach Deanna, too. Me and Zach Zach, Deanna would battle it hard. Yeah. 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 Zach Zach was, like, I remember him on 60s. I think... It was at Bruderheim, and he broke both of broke his, his legs, legs on that yeah. massive I double. It. I think me and you watched yeah. it. Yeah. There was about eight broken legs off that jump that day. Yeah, but he yeah. was on a sixty. Like yeah. I mean, like, he was the only. I wasn't jumping it on my eighty. Yeah, no. I think oh, yeah. I think at the time, and then Trey Franklin was there too. Yeah, and he yeah. was always pretty quick on on like as an like, yeah. Actually, he, was he was good, good as a he was pro really good, too. Yeah. Good rider in general. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Zach, it was actually, we, I was in the 80s. It was like a super mini class or 7-Eleven or something. And Zach was right behind me. And my dad said, yeah, this kid just jumped this m- massive yeah. double, right? Yeah. And then, he, like, they said his legs were, like, it was pretty bad. Yeah, he just, like, he looped it off it. Is yeah. that what happened? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Zach. Zach would be a fun time to get on the podcast. Zach would be good, yeah. Chang. Chang, Chang <laughs> Corp. Yeah. Chang Corp. Yeah. Yeah, he was always quick, too. I remember the, la- like, last year racing. Um, he came out to Medicine Hat, <laughs> and he was always had the quickest. Like he had quick bikes. Oh yeah, like they were fast. And... He bought like uh, the Suzuki KTM or the Suzuki uh, Rockstar Suzuki bikes oh, yeah. from the year before. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I cleaned them out in Medicine Hat. So <laughs> if I never apologize to you, can you... <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. All right. Anything else? Anyone got any questions? You got any questions? Question. Question. Question? Okay. I got I got a quick question. Okay. Um, do you think in our sport we overlook the little head impacts because uh, yeah. we maybe don't necessarily feel them or they're weak comparison to our big crashes? Yeah, I think you hit your head even just a little. Like you can tip over in a corner and just smack your head, and you it can affect you for sure. I think, and I think you like kind of somewhere in the back of your mind you know it, but you don't want it. You kind of in denial, and you're like, ah, I'll be okay. I'll be alright or I don't want to be a bitch or just like we were talking about. Uh, yeah. But even it doesn't have to be a huge impact to really have an effect on you, especially with, if you do it multiple times back to back to back or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> so what do you think? Like, like, is there anywhere that it says like, if you feel like you've had like a little concussion or you've bumped your head a little bit, like what's the timeline you should take off or how do you like self-diagnose? That I stuff, don't know. Right? Like, there has no, there's no yeah. clear diagnosis or clear way to deal with it. That's the, that's part of yeah. the biggest I guess problem. that's why you need to get it out there and yeah, yeah. just people like, so are like, aware should, of it. Right. Should we just go like one extreme to the next? Should we be like never cautious to like overly cautious? Uh, yeah. Or, I don't think he like, nec- I don't know. It's a, it's a, I don't know. We got to figure it out until we get some kind of better way of diagnosing con- like an actual concussion. There's no real way unless other than going off of how you feel. Yeah. And then, I mean, then you get, I don't know, like you, then you get guys that maybe are wimps and they don't, they, they didn't have a concussion. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. how do you figure it out? Yeah. What are like, <clears throat> obviously there's ratings on all these helmets. So you, like you're still running Fox stuff then? Uh, Fox helmet. Yeah. Okay. Like w- what is this stuff like rating now? Like for, for head safety because like obviously we've heard a lot about like the fly helmet coming out that they had like all yeah. that um reon reon yeah. or whatever like how yeah. are these older hel- like i don't know like what i shouldn't say older because you're fox sponsored like they're yeah they've the fox, always is, been the fox has a new one out though it's quite a bit better than the old one i was all i was 60 for a long time 
Um, yeah. Then, yeah, I like the technology in the new Fox one. Uh, it's got the, what is it called? Do you know what it's called? Um, shoot. They're like little water packets, though. It, what, do you know what it's? Yeah. I, I, don't, oh. I guess, like, everything behind each one of these designs is to, like, Similar. sort of, like, like it's almost like energy. yeah like it's like suspension right yeah. like where yeah. you got like more of like a a cushion right versus yeah yeah i like i mean as long as you're buying top of the line fox helmet 60 helmet i think uh awry helmets are good showy helmets are good uh what else is a good helmet bell helmets i think are good uh so it's not just anymore looking for that snail and dot approved right like you've got to you, you've well, got to do your research more or less like like let's just go like you said, let's just go for the four hundred or six hundred dollar helmet. Yeah, like just don't protect your head, right? Don't buy a V two or whatever fucking helmet there is. Like some hundred dollar helmet, don't do that. I think buy, you know, a good helmet. I don't, I don't know. Like you hear different stuff from different places on what these, which helmet's the best or whatever. I get you just go with the good helmet. Like you know, sixty has been proven to be good helmet. Uh, the Fox helmet's been the new Fox helmet's been good uh proven the showy helmet's been proven the awry helmet's been proven uh the bell helmet's been proven i mean kind of hard to go i i don't know much about the new fly one but i, I heard it's good too so i mean i don't know yeah Bi- would, you, bias- <clears throat> would you say like um now from like years of being like in motocross and stuff like that that you could feel the difference between helmets now or is it more it's so circumstantial. Yeah, it's, it's like say. it's like it's like obviously they have all these new like things that have come out like after I've stopped racing, right? And it's like okay, like do I just run my head into the wall and say, yeah, that feels much better? Like <laughs> you know, like yeah, I mean, there's no real there's no real way of testing it, right? Like it's like every like there's sometimes you could just tip over in a corner and land on your head the wrong way. You could be wearing the best helmet in the world and you could still knock yourself out. Well, and that's where people make that argument you said dot or snell approved, right? Well, one's the higher speed, one's yeah. the lower speed, one's rotational, yeah. one's this, one's that. So no helmet's going to protect you in every category. Yeah. You know, yeah. the best, but yeah, I just like I remember when I was little, I had like I'm pretty sure my dad bought me like a seventy five dollar helmet yeah, or something. Same. I had it was like, like I hit my head, I had a concussion, and then it's like you, like I went to like a, a Thor helmet, and at the time like Thor Force, like they were like I never had one concussion yeah, in those helmets. Helmet. But then I would talk to other guys, and they'd be like, I had nothing but concussions in those. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, you hit your head hard enough, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. Yeah. Well, I mean, your what you're wearing will help you to an extent, but. A lot of it's just the whiplash, the whiplash, like how hard do you smack your head? Like if you have a lot of rotational force going, like you're, it's, you're going to get whiplash and a big part of the concussions is the slapping of the jaw. Yeah. So, I mean, mouth guard, I don't wear mouth one, guards, I, I, I want to start, say. I was going to always wear one, didn't No, you? I never wore one racing, but always in hockey. Yeah. And it, and it just, you know, there was always, uh, there was one family that came to the Southern Albertas that would always wear the mouth guards and. I just couldn't see myself racing with something in my mouth, just the airflow blockage and stuff. But again, how do you put a price on the safety? Yeah, I mean, of... I'm going to look into it. If you can get, I think the new ones are really good. They're yeah. like molded and they stick in there good. But yeah. I already ride like a psychopath. I'm always like, ah. Yeah, you're always... <laughs> <laughs> the possum. Yeah. The possum hole. But yeah. Yeah. Like... I, I actually, I rode like with, like I got one size or whatever perfectly for my teeth, yeah. put it yeah. in there. And 
like thinking you're in great shape and it's like i'm just hoofing it like, yeah. I, like and then i'm like my throat is getting dry and you're at raymond there's raymond dust like yeah. i'm like i can't wear this fucking thing like it gotta throw it out yeah. that was another time you hit your head hard and he came to and i was like jared where's your <laughs> <laughs> and then we're on our way down we were at kuya creek too and we had to like drive him back to like their place in canyon lake and he's puking all the way back <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. yeah that was a rough one uh, hit my head too many times but um, for yeah. any like i guess the story that went was that it was over a single jump and you scrubbed too hard and you high-sided was that not it like because i don't think we actually no. told anybody it was <laughs> no. on the super cross track no, we never told anyone it was on the super cross track <laughs> <laughs> it was at the ranch it was it, i think it was fucking pouring rain too was it not yeah if one and then so you broke your wrist and i think like one week later that bray mason kid he broke his wrist too did he, did he I not? think he actually broke his wrist. He, he, he just wanted to copy it. Yeah. <laughs> he was just being yeah. a little bit. I don't think he actually broke his wrist, though. He yeah. like hit his head or something. From what I saw, though, like that clearly wasn't their first day on the Supercross track, and they were actually riding it pretty good. Yeah, I was sending it, but it was raining, and I'm like, ah, I got to send the triple. <laughs> did and you I, do the triple when it was dry? I did the triple when it was dry, and I guess I just got wheel spin off the face, and I just cased. I don't even, I don't even remember it. I don't remember what happened. Uh, yeah he well i do remember because it's right behind him he like came out of this corner <laughs> and he hit it as i think as, as hard as you could in a second and he just like was like boner aired it and it came up so hard i still remember seeing like the frame mark and i like went and put my bike aside and jared comes to or whatever <laughs> and i was like you're right yeah I'm right he's like I, I think you had did you break your jaw too or no i broke my jaw yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah and he never cried oh <laughs> 16 years old <laughs> yeah that was the one thing though like i i we did everything on that super cross track except like the triple that for one some triple. reason like was it was like it. right out of the corner i was on a 450 too and i was like okay if jared does it i'll do it but if jared ain't doing it i ain't doing it because i couldn't i couldn't see the landing the freaking face was so steep that there was some other guy apparently like a good super cross race that did the same thing apparently I, I don't know if that triple was really that doable it was a big triple yeah yeah Okay. How many languages do you speak? How many languages do you speak, George? Well, when I'm concussed, I can speak a totally different <laughs> language. <laughs> uh, you speak in poltergeist. Um, I can speak a little Dutch. A little Dutch? Yeah, I can speak a, a little bit of German. Oh, yeah? Not much German. Just one of my good buddies growing up, he was like low German or high German. I don't even know. They're It's pretty close to Dutch. And then Dutch, like I'll, I'll know like the the best things to say to my fiance kind of thing. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. you know, before you go into the bedroom or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How about you? It's just English. I took uh, three years of French. I failed them all, but yeah, no French for me. I don't know. It's Feliz Navidad or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. How about you? No, no, I tried learning French for a bit, got into it, completely forgot everything. Yeah. So I, I like, are they asking if we could do it fluently? Because <laughs> I, fluently, I can only speak English. Okay. Yeah, well, this is our only fluent podcast language here. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's the only question. What was your? Uh, you've ridden a lot of bikes over the years. Was the uh, most memorable bike you ever owned? Um, twenty twelve KX four fifty. Um, I just like that bike for some reason tracked like I don't know 
by far the best 450. I, I rode that bike too. It was a good bike. I don't know what it was. It was just like the power was super like mm-hmm. smooth and just like right to the ground. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Well, and then like KYB suspension yeah. on there. I've always, for some reason, really liked KYB suspension. And then actually um, for 250, the, the Honda 13 was really good. Yeah. Everybody always thought I ran a big bore. FYI, I never did. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? everybody like i I remember the allison saying like yeah we're gonna protest you like there's Uh, no way that if you whole shot us and you're like 40 more pounds than us you've got to have a 290 so i just said well i'm like yeah i run a 290 been running 290 for years (laughs) i just wanted that money out of it right like they they protest you and you get the money yeah i i ran a big bore in the because i was so small on a 250 when i first went intermediate so i had a big bore i rode in the 450 class I've ridden 450 intermediate with a big bore. It, my my big, I actually, my 250 was better than my big bore. I had like a 302. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't your big bore a bit of a. It wasn't a that dud? good. Yeah. It wasn't that good. And we had to run like some weird gearing on it. And I just, if to run the right gearing to make it work properly, we just coached clutches. I don't know. It wasn't, we never got it working yeah. very well. Honestly, I've been better off racing at 250. Yeah. Yeah. I would actually say like the one thing that I wish could have been somewhat feasible was to be able to like, no like the only thing i ever did to a 250 was just put a hot cam in or yeah. a high compression piston and that was it just to feel like what a race motor was like like you, you hear dean talk about like his canada suzuki like yeah and that thing sounded mean and he's like that thing was slow compared to his pro circuit oh the cowie you mean the, yeah the canada cowie yeah yeah and yeah. i just would like you know like or you hear some of the guys like on the uh, royal distributing like ktm at yeah. the time and stuff it's like these bikes sound so mean like if i could just ride like, yeah they're talking about like the, the guy who guys are talking about how much of a piece of shit their bike was last yeah. year <laughs> yeah, like, like, okay i'm riding the same bike but it's pretty much stock so yeah like try to be 220 on a 250f yeah i can race imagine. guys oh. like jared that are like five two five four five seven eight <laughs> five eight um yeah but yeah the bikes are cardio since since you retired from the 250 class the bikes are good now like the the, even the honda and the, the honda the husky the, they're all good i think except oh. for the zuki um yeah it's all i do basically is do a little bit of head work put a high comp piston and throw an ignition on it and it's good to go yeah well and they say that you can make like a big power difference with just ignition yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 fuel injection too makes a big difference yeah like yeah you, i guess you never, probably never rode a fuel injected 250 yeah the, well the honda in 13 was fuel oh injected. they did have fuel yeah, injected. And, and that was that was that was awesome. That because, would have been the first year then, right? Yeah. Or did Cowie maybe have Cowie did it in like 12. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I wrote I think, that too. Oh yeah. 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 But I remember the times in like 2009, 2010 where you're going to like just about every other race in the morning because it's cooler. It's like you got to put a different yeah. main jet in or a pilot jet or something. And yeah, then for Moto days. 2, dad's pulling the car part yeah. again. Like That's we, insane we gotta... to think about doing that stuff. Like, Yeah. Oh, where they used to have the the jetting section at the track. You have to take your bike down to the straightaway to jet it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say that after all of all of those years of racing, I never pulled my motors apart. Yeah. Like I I never did any of the work myself. The only thing I could really do was just like change my tires and tighten my spokes and that was it. Yeah. Change your sprockets, chains. No. Yeah, well, enough. my dad said it's a lot of the times I'd go instead of going lefty loosey i go like just more tight until i strip them <laughs> oh, <shit>. yeah <laughs> oh, man. just wasn't focused oh shit now 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 if you gotta like work on your own bike at home it's like i wish i would have paid attention really i'm pretty good uh i can do a top end on a four stroke i don't like to but i can do it if i if 
if I absolutely have to. Yeah, but I think you you already on 60s were working on your bikes and stuff. Yeah, like. my dad was pretty like adamant on. He didn't even really he, like he would do the work, but he's like, if I'm gonna be working on your bike, you gotta be out in the shop helping me or yeah. learning how to do this shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's like, or else I'm not doing it. Yeah, my dad would make me sit there and hand him the tools. Yeah. So I know what tool did what and how to do it. And then then he he can't get the thing off thing apart. He can't get the clip in the piston. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what the? And he's freaking out at you about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember handing my dad the tools, but I don't remember what he was working on. <laughs> you were just you were just sitting there. And, yeah. Oh shit. So, um, what what do you think uh, you've learned the most from racing, like life um, lessons? <clears throat> Well, person like personal skills, like interacting with people, I think you, you learn at a pretty young age, like how to, like, if you're really frustrated or angry or something like how to keep yourself composed. Um, I mean, after doing riding schools or if you ever had to like talk like at a, like at a banquet or something like you don't get those kind of public speaking yeah. skills at a, at school. Right. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, and determination. Like, like I, th I think if you ever like put your mind to something, like motocross taught you that it's like either if you don't put the effort in, well, this is where you're kind of gonna be. If you're gonna like discipline yourself, like you can basically, um, yeah. What's the how how am I supposed to word this? Um, just like self discipline, right? Yeah. Like, like, like either you, like when you're motivated, you're in, if you're not motivated, you're not like, just like, and how that like relates to your everyday life. It's like, if I don't want to get up for work, like, you know, like your mind can take you so many different places. If you don't know those kind of ups and downs, yeah. like whether from racing or whatever, like it doesn't really translate to your day-to-day -day life. Right. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like, yeah, just knowing that if you put your mind to something, you can accomplish it. And uh, yeah, we're like, yeah, I know we might have to blank that out because my whole thing didn't make. No, a lot it of made sense. sense. It made sense. But I would say, yeah, uh, the public, like the public, public speaking. speaking. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. I never really thought about how much that actually would help you, having a do go up for like the AMSA banquet or whatever and speak. Well, and you're almost forced to because I, I when I was younger, like I was shy. Yeah, like I could not get up in front of people and talk and like then like at 16 it's like you're thrown into the pro class and it's like you have to live this somewhat different life than your buddies that are like yeah. in junior class still like now you got to start writing resumes and yeah. you got to be personal with people and have to represent yourself properly yeah, and, and i think that that definitely was like a, a big yeah. thing that i can use like day-to-day -day life wise yeah that's a that's a good one um yeah anything else how long we be going for? Supercross started yet? Oh, it started like three. I was gonna say, yeah. I was like, we gotta check Twitter. <laughs> been almost two, hours. I think about two hours in. We can probably. You, oh, is it four already? Yeah, it's, it's four. Oh, well, I gotta be at that okay. thing at five. Okay, we'll wrap oh, this yeah. bitch up. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, George, for coming all the way out here. Um, yeah, appreciate it. It's good. Had fun. Good time. We gotta do this again with Keelan, maybe. Yeah, Keelan actually. I, like of the guys sitting here like in the pro class i was able to i think race you maybe a little bit not as much as keelan but keelan was always like super clean guy yeah. right like he never took me out mm -hmm. and i think what i liked about like his family and stuff was just that they were like true grit like hard workers yeah. kind of thing and and keelan like was never the bullshitter 
type guy like he, he actually puts in the work and yeah and now how he represents himself like and and, and how he's moving forward to like get his name out there and stuff. yeah i think it's good i think you guys are gonna have a good year yep should be good all right thanks chris thanks george thanks everyone thanks, thanks. all right peace out